0: I was a cockroach, that's what I would do. Oh, man, now I have to talk about serious stuff. Yeah, Uh,
1: the (laughs) recording missed a cockroach story.
0: (laughs) Uh, No, it didn't. Everything we have here was a cockroach story. Oh, Michaela.
2: Hello, Clinton. Hey,
0: Michaela. Uh, Lila Felt is here. Yes. (laughs) Well, great. Welcome everyone. I was saying this is a sacred bubble of space and each of us has to find a place for that in our lives. And it's not easy to get in here. So I think 500 people did not make it this time. (laughs) They have to find the bubble, you know, and then find their life and then their life in the bubble and then sort of make a place in their life for this space. And you guys have succeeded. So I really, I really hope you speak in this space and share your, what you've been working on, what you discovered, what you, the successes and failures and the secrets and the mysteries that are at work in your life. So, so does anybody like to say a few words about that?
3: Yes. I feel joy about being here in the group and it's kind of pulled me up a little bit from kind of the swamp that I was in in my thoughts in my own box like a very big now just just coming into this space just pull me from this very big now and and feeling the joy to see like the explorers that are here And I'm also coming up from this grieving process that I had in the last two or three weeks since coming back here to the city of Tel Aviv, to Israel. And this uh, grieving process is a lot about letting go or feeling the sadness about my fantasy world. There was about this way that I thought about the way that things are going to happen to me or the way I think things are going to work. As a, as you know, as a possibility manager, things should work in a certain way and it's going to crumble down and there is a lot of grieving. I wanted to share that. So I ask you also to please speak to me more gently or, or softly than, than usual because of that. Thank you.
0: Thank you. I mean, you almost perfectly describe most modern person's relationship to relating, which is, it turns out to have, be full of expectations, full of stories, painful stories of, of failures and, and betrayals and, and just uh, surprises that weren't, weren't explained to us before and we have these fantasy worlds that we build up from all kinds of incredible media that impact us from films and, and books and magazines especially and all the graphic social media that comes up and it's not to mention poor, you know video sex videos and all kinds of advertising it's bizarre yeah. bizarrely formulated to stimulate our nervous system in weird ways so we buy shit, you know? And so here we are coming into this whole domain of relating with carrying exactly the same kind of burdens that you were mentioning, Thor. And, and it's, uh, it's amazing that people can even say hi to each other. And, and in fact, it's possible these days for us, for a human being, especially if you live in a city, to go through entire days, maybe even weeks, without ever having to say hi to anyone. Because, you know, you can go in these automated vendor machines, you know, and buy your, some kind of food to eat in these pre-packaged food in these vending stalls, you know, and and go through a grocery store or even a restaurant and hardly, hardly have to say hello to anyone. And then and then it goes over time and it builds up this this it substantiates our fear of, of letting ourselves be seen of actually connecting of actually meeting another being in a unspecified way in an undefined way like in that There aren't a whole set of assumptions and expectations tacked into it, wrapped up in it, and so we we lose this, and then of course we're starving ourselves, and it's and it's, and it's this incomprehensible kind of starving where the 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 thing that's being starved we can't see it, and uh, we can't even hardly talk about it, and when when there's a chance for our heart or our being to connect with another heart or being, we just crush all that, but with our mind. We just come in and just smash this whole tender, like you're talking about, though, about this tender connection possibility and this indescribable being with possibility. We just crush it with our mind, and with of course the mechanical parts of our psychology, you know, this thing we call our box or a gremlin. You know, we have these projections and expectations and these freak out points. You know, we all have these buttons where we just go into full reactivity and and uh, respond in a this this god, it's a ah, oh, I don't know, all these words are coming to my mind that are horrible. Uh but just a repulsive kind of reactivity that, that we project onto the other person. And then, and then our our heart and our soul are just completely starving along the way. And so we've made it this far in the study group to the part of the book that is entering the extraordinary this kinds of skills and the kinds of uh foundation that's needed to enter, skillfully enter the extraordinary relating domains. And um, I, you know, we have, again, we even falter, we uh, scramble to make it relevant to our lives. Like how, how is it to, how is like the next section we're on is page 207, it's called Feed Your Heart and Feed Your Soul. And so the word soul is used precariously because it's a word that's been hijacked by various religions and spiritual practices. And, and those, so so it's a dangerous word to use. It, It doesn't have any of those meanings attached. It simply refers to our being. So feeding your heart and feeding your being would be a more accurate way to say it. And, and it's like, how do we how can we even have this conversation when we're actually still mostly thinking about how to earn enough money to live? How do we have this whole world built up around our economic survival strategy? It's like how do we even how can we even consider making space or making a making a you know hacking hacking into this world of extraordinary relating when our primary concern is is if do we do I have enough money to survive? Do I have enough money to make it through the month or next month? And and then you know once once that you know once we have some some faith in, in that we're going to have enough money for one month. And their next thing is how do I look? So yeah, how do I, what do other people think about me? You know, and it's so instead of being, being able to be present or be with or be there, we're concerned with putting on this show. And this is this automatically, both of those things, the survival the survival mechanism is automatically takes us into the ordinary domains again. And, and then we're starving again. So I still wanna emphasize how, how much, how important it is to practice. The distinctions and the, the experiments and the the uh, the research the inner and outer, accessing the inner and outer resources that we have in practice, accessing those in ways that you've not done it before, and because that's that will that's really the only way that extraordinary and archetypal spaces will open up for you is new behavior and nobody can do it for you you know even if you meet somebody who who is capable of opening extraordinary and archetypal spaces for you to enter with them what if you can't what what if you can't do it what if you can't what if you're so unconsciously afraid or fidgety or going up into your mind and or or have this child-contaminated adult ego state, you know, neediness comes up or and what if you actually meet somebody who's capable of intimacy in five bodies and entering archetypal domains and you're just freaking out? What What are they supposed to do? They cannot take you with them. They can't do it for you. It's really on your shoulders. It's really I don't mean that as a burden, I mean it as like a backpack that gets, you know, if you go hiking out in the extraordinary worlds, I don't know if any of you guys are getting the photo download from Mikhail Portner out on his journey into Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan and all these stands, if you're getting those pictures from him, it it it. it uh gives you an impression of how big the world actually is outside of the cities beyond where the cities are there's still these massive amounts of words of worlds i see your hand mark i'll get to you in a second and this this is where you know the so to enter that domain you can't go there without a backpack so that's what i mean it's like it's like you know you would step on a scorpion or twist your ankle or not drink enough water or not protect you know, from the sun or have oxygen starvation or whatever you know it takes it takes those skills that are required to go into extraordinary and archetypal spaces it takes those skills and that's where we are that's what we're doing together here in the study group and so but that won't happen without you doing the experiments and without you trying the new behaviors and without you you know entering, spaces or creating and entering spaces that you've never entered, created and entered before, instead of waiting around for somebody else to come and do that for you. Mark, go ahead. The
4: question I have is, what is your means to help someone when they talking- don't have a complete backpack? me personally mean or what? what's the suggestion for let's say you're trying to go <clears throat> you're trying to go into an extraordinary space i'm the person in front of you mm-hmm. and you recognize oh mark hasn't been into an extraordinary space before he may not have the the tools in his backpack now what do you do because i run into that over and over again. i believe you what do you do end up facing the challenge that i don't know the answer to i i go there and then it's like oh that just happened
0: so so stop right there and like how is that for you because
4: it's very unrewarding it's very it seems very much like i worked hard to get there it's like climbing the mountain but never getting to the peak.
0: so I ask you to question that. I, how many people have had that experience? How many people have had that experience? Because I think it's a lot. Yeah. okay. so i'm I'm asking us to question that it might be uh, unrewarding. and the the reason I encourage questioning that is because to package that up as unfair or unrewarding, to package it up like that is it puts the story over our direct experience. And and um the proposal that I have is, it's the experiment, well, the experiment then, this is our experiment, the first experiment to try this week, is to f- focus on the several other dimensions of what, what is possible in the space. And so the reason I'm saying this is because a human being designed by Gaia and with direct access to the extraordinary and archetypal resources that, we are, that are available both inside of us and outside of us, these huge resources that were available to us this, this incredible human being, no matter what condition they're in, is um, that potential is still there. And a lot of, a lot of extraordinary, extraordinary and archetypal relating has to do with relating to potential. It's, it's actually relating to something that is not there yet, that has not occurred yet, that is possible. It is a possibility that this could happen. And relating to that potential, I mean, I've been editing this uh, manuscript I have for The White Witch of Tenerife. It's a book of the recordings that we made with Elsa Marika Custer in Tenerife a number of years ago. And I just spoke with her yesterday, actually, on the phone. And she's kick-ass. This old lady, she's almost 80 years old. She's like kick-ass extraordinary space holder person and her job has been for the last 50 some years has been trying to unfold people from physical contractions and contort you know they're 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 pain they're distorted physically distorted so badly that modern medicine has completely abandoned them and and you try to imagine that it's like you get you know people basically bring you a basket full of some child or some person is bent up and folded up or somebody who's just been so broken and crashed by a car motorcycle or burns or whatever and they and sh- and this is who she's been working with and she's ecstatic about it because she's working with the potential she's calling forth potential so if you have this imagination that when you're with somebody you're supposed to you know, somehow miraculously call forth full potential of the person across from you, then you're just, it's just a gremlin, just, um, uh cannibalized, it's a cannibalizing gremlin. You're, you're a gremlin, you're feeding your, your gremlin on yourself. It is a self, it is a gremlin self-cannibalization, self Gremlin Self Cannibalism, that's the name of the website, Gremlin Self Cannibalism, and you've got it, because here you are with this incredible potential in front of you, and I'm not, you know, mostly we don't work with physical cripples, you know, our, our, the way, the people that we get to interact with, you know, they have, whatever, they didn't, they're still thinking that their mom and dad hates them and that destroyed their life, or, you know, some weird you know, they didn't succeed somewhere. They don't have a house on the mountain. I don't know how. They don't have a yacht. They don't have a million euros. I don't know. They fail. I don't know. They have these stories about themselves. And they live in this whole crippled up thing. And you're and if you think you're going to walk in and open up a space and this flower is going to suddenly bloom out, you know, and the fruit's going to be there already, ripe. Right? And you get to deli- eat this delicacy with them, you, you know, together right there suddenly, you, and you and that's not happening if you think that's what's supposed to happen and it's not happening then you're going to destroy your world like your is going to eat eat you because your life is empty because you're, you live in a desert of hollow zombie human beings who have no hope you know and that's the story world that you live in and so what i'm suggesting for this experiment is is to relate with a person's potential. 90%. So that means they may say something that could hook you or they, or could invite you to rescue them, or it's a poor victim story, or they're complaining or blaming. And you've got this, you're holding this space of archetypal love happening, or this adult to adult at least is possible, or people can heal or unfold their potential and get off their victim story. Or, and you're holding this potential and, and they're not doing it. And then rather than going into, they're not doing it and they're, I'm alone. Here I am trying, I'm mean, in this amazing space with them and there's all this is possible and I'm alone because they don't even see it. They don't even sense it. So then, then you're just essentially letting your gremlin eat yourself. So it's called Gremlin Self Cannibalism, and you should read their website and start working with that in yourself. It's part of the uh, Gremlin Transformation work mm, because it, the experiment is 90 percent of what you're relating to is the ar- extraordinary and archetypal potential of this person. And if that's occurring for you, you will be in some kind of ecstasy because you get to be the wizard or the sorceress doing experiments. You get to make, make offers, make proposals. And Chloe and I just watched a movie last night, and it is called Before We Go. Before We Go. And it's, it's this incredible journey of one night that this cup, this Two strangers meet each other, and this, they this, they go on, and you start noticing this whole shift from from projections and expectations and assumptions and conclusions and just you know bad you know bad stuff. And then you start, and it's totally ordinary, and it, they just persist, especially the guy persists, and he can, and he just keeps making offers, and he doesn't know what he's doing. He's not a professional proposal maker. But he starts making proposals and they're non-linear offers that he makes and she starts accepting and then she starts making non-linear proposals back. And it's a really, it's a great film to watch. It's a little, there's no guns, (laughs) nobody dies. (laughs) Um, It's a, so it's one of these, you don't have to carry a heavy burden after it. Uh, There's no, you know, psycho, psycho people in the movie. So, um, You have to protect yourself from modern movies. Really, you need to protect yourself from modern movies. There's such intense, uh, pain, painful projections they can put into your psyche. So please protect yourself from modern movies these days. Be really careful about the movies you watch. This one you can watch and feel good about it. And so, the the experiment is to enter and and continue. Like, do not leave the role of being this space holder of, of, and doing experiments of opening, making offers and making proposals. And let's say you do this for the entire interaction you have with someone. So it's 20 minutes, five minutes, an hour or whatever you're with somebody. And, and they, let's say they don't accept any of your offers, just none of them. Let's say, and, and then you can go, okay, how can I upscale my proposals? How can I refine my skill base? You know, How can I improve my ability to make proposals and offers for extraordinary? Because their potential is still there. That potential is there. It is undeniable that that potential is there. So this is not about making yourself into an emotional garbage can, listening to blah, blah. You know, You pull the rug out from that right away. You just interrupt instantaneously and go to the next proposal and if the conversation from you is only proposal after proposal after proposal you will be jacked in to extraordinary space it will make you and it will bring you an ecstatic interaction and, and even if they cannot see or perceive or accept any of the proposals that you make after your interaction you go gosh thanks that was okay see you later okay wow And because you get to create, you're in creation mode. Why would you ever want to leave creation mode? Why would you ever have the expectation or the hope of this fantasy world that they're going to take over the creation mode? Like, forget it. Like you're the ones in the study group. You're the one who's been working on yourself for decades. You're the one with building up these skills. So use your skills, just go around and just use, Use foo-foo powder. I mean, use this, use this sparkle dust. Use, you know, go make your proposal, you know, do and see and interact with their potential. Perceive and interact with their extraordinary and archetypal potentials and, and have a great time. Be in, be in ecstasy creating offers for their extraordinary and archetypal potential. And don't don't even, if they accept none of them and see none of them, it doesn't matter. And I'm not proposing this as a lifelong journey. There's a, There are some sentences, I think, in this book that says that you can essentially create magic with anyone. I I retract that statement. So I just, because there are forces that work beyond our control, like Echo and things like that, the Earth Coincidence Control Office has other designs on our life. And so... You don't get to really choose who you're with or when they go away or who the next person is. It happens. If you're interesting enough for Echo, it will happen. And so the, the point is, this isn't about, this isn't, this is not about submitting yourself to be a caretaker for, for uh, Alzheimer's patients as your as your form of intimacy. It's not what this is about. Markets, go
5: ahead. I'd like to add that when you speak about relating to the potential of the other person, I discover that it's also I'm also relating to my potential. Cause whenever I notice that okay, they're not taking in taking that offer that I'm making, I I find out that oh wow, well, I actually do also have the potential to not close in and take it as a rejection. And and so this I discovered it as a practice of fear, like standing in the fear of not knowing if they'll take any proposal and, and still be, like still stay in, the, in my own openness. And
0: But you gotta look at that, Marcus, because if, if they reject a proposal, what does that do to you? You know, if it does anything to you besides open the next door, then there's this emotional healing process for you to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's to about being rejected or about not being understood or about being alone or about being mm, abandoned, whatever the thing is, whatever, but do do notice that stuff. Okay. If they if, well, even one, they don't accept your proposal and you have this, you can feel this stuff, just go in there, use the doorway. What were you gonna say?
5: Well, I was a bit of t- to say that the practice for me recently was just to to notice that I have the potential to sh- stay wide open and to stay yeah. ready for the next proposal. And and that was so,
0: okay, okay, but Anne, and, what I'm saying is it isn't ready. It isn't waiting. It's yeah. causing. It's creating, it's causing. Yeah. And, and so you just roll it into the next space. You just roll it into the next proposal.
5: Yeah. And rather uh, and, yeah. and I'm trying to point out that this is my own potential. Like yes. this is yeah, that I'm also enlarging and, and widening the space with. Yeah.
0: Which is and how is that
5: for you? Exciting. It's exciting.
0: And so Mark, that's what we're talking about. Is that excitement? If you're not if you're not hanging out in that excitement, you've got gremlin cannibalism going on. Yeah. And it's really about 90, you know, staying with 90% of, that, of, the, of the invisible world, of their potential, and just relating with that. And it's not a fantasy world. It isn't about deceiving yourself, or pretending, or imagining, or anything like that. Human beings do have this potential. And you can just be connected with that. And there's no purpose behind it. It's not about manipulating the person to unfold their potential. You know, gosh you know, maybe they'll see it. You know, maybe I can be a a healer or a a, a psychic or, a don't know, somebody to call. It's not about the causing the result. It's not about manipulation or forcing or anything like that. It's about making offers, which are creations, which are doorways. And, you know, it's exactly like Marcus said. If you open a doorway for somebody else and they don't go through the doorway, you can you know, that doorway's there. You know, I mean, one of the things that I do when I'm doing this stuff is I'm talking with somebody like you guys actually, we're, we're doing it right now. We're talking, we're opening up these doorways. And then if we're, if, I'm in, if we're in contact, I walk backwards through the doorway. You get this, here's this space, we're together in this space. This doorway, we, just, we open up this doorway and I don't say you should go through this doorway. And I say, like, try this doorway. I'm not saying that. I'm I'm talking. I'm opening the doorway, and then I'm walking backwards through the doorway. And you and you guys are with me. And I I've never been in this space before, the one that we just opened tonight here. So I've never been in this space. We're and we're in there together, and we, and we don't even know how we got there, except that you know I do because. Here, you know, nothing was happening in this space. You know, we all came together, and there's nothing there. It's all this potential, and in that potential is so rich with possibility. And, and and then then we open the door, and then we walk backwards into this new space, and we all have the treasure. And you did not have to go first. I didn't force you or manipulate you. Or, you know, push you in front to go ahead, go through the door. You know, it just it wasn't like that at all. It's like we're with each other we're going then we go i go backwards through the space you guys all go with and we're all in the new space and then we'll open up the next door we'll open up the next door like that so that would be the experiment this week to start doing that anything else about that mark
4: no thank you the 90 percent was very helpful and so was the uh gremlin uh feeding off of the she has that one. Yes, it's
0: very helpful to notice this stuff going on. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> You're welcome. Thank you for your question. Um, and I felt the honesty of it. You know, I feel the the necessity of it. Thank you for that. You know, one thing. I was just uh, filling out a form because some. Um, uh, some lady contacted me to do a participate in a, a 20 minute presentation that she's going to offer as an advent calendar, like one of these 24 doors to open up. And so she has 24 speakers. And so, and it, it's like, okay, you know, this, this whole Christmas spirit, happy, you know, wonderful, uh, make your life better, kind of a presentation possibility. And, the, and you know, we can't do that. You know, we, in this, in this space that we have together, we know that there are three worlds. And if you don't stabilize in, in the underworld, if you don't own your underworld, the rest of it is hopelessly quagmired, hopelessly uh, it's booby-trapped, it's called booby trap, meaning it's a trap to think that you're gonna go in the upper world and, and stay there for longer than 30 seconds. Before you, before the whole underworld goes, Just grabs you and sucks you back down again. So it's it was it's a strange conversation to have that you know. Yes, human beings are capable of deep intimacy and deep connection, and if you're not aware of your underworld and take responsibility for your underworld parts, that it's a fantasy that you're going to be able to stay in any kind of middle middle or upper world spaces together any kind of deep intimacy together it won't last more than a few seconds before the shadow world is triggered and, and goes in and so i'm so happy that each of us like all of us that like the whole team has you've spent your years researching the traps like researching <clears throat> the the circ- the true circumstances of what we're up against the the survival strategy of the, and the, des- the despair and the and the aggressive aggressivity and the reactivity like all these parts have a, have a reason they have a cause they have a source and, you, and it can be discovered and distinguished and it can be you can take possession of it and so i'm so glad for that we can have these kind of conversations together and ask these questions together and skill up together so that when, as we're interacting with other people in our lives, that that potential we were just speaking about is not wasted, doesn't just go away. It doesn't get lost in in the unconscious underworld reactivity uh, that is so common in human interactions. So really appreciating that about you guys, about us all together. And, you know, everybody else who's not on the screen right now, but who's participating in the research that we're doing and building out the whole possibility management, the whole next culture, archiarchy, that whole world, you know, each one of us is, is doing our part in building that out so that other people have it, so that other people can have it too. And I'm so, and so, and it's the same thing, which is like, Here's this fantasy world of Christmas and the Advent calendar and all these nice little presentations from happy people. Kind <laughs> of, you know, my presentation is going to have this whole underworld capacity, you know, part of it. So, in any case, we'll announce it when it comes out. So, so any other questions right now?
4: Yes. When are you doing your next Portugal or Poland gathering, where you're in a place for like three or four months or three or four weeks,
0: in terms of training? Terms of training. Something? Yes. That will. It's in, in the calendar for next 2023. year. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty twenty three around August. It starts around August in Poland. It Thank will. You. It will migrate up into Denmark. Apparently, possibly France. And Chloe Destro, who is who has a French last name and a French first name, um, is gearing up to open up the French-speaking world of possibility management. So oui, mais pas français, seigneur, parce que le le mot français c'est difficile et le le concept, l'idée des Français c'est complexe. It's scary. So.
1: It's a scary world to go into. <laughs>
0: Why is it scary?
1: Yeah, somebody said something. Um, it could have been maybe. Anyway, it was somebody who said that in the France, the French culture has this uh, deep. It's deeply rooted or more recently in, in secularism. So that the, the government and school is separate from the church. But that also makes, I never thought about this, but somebody wrote, that also makes the schooling or life devoid of all kind, any kind of spirituality or mystery or uh, it's like this total rational Descartes, you know, I think, therefore I am. And, and so it's a, anyway, there's a whole uh, emotional healing process group in French who in in the particular purpose of that group is to heal this wound of the 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 frenchness uh, intellectual philosophical sub- separateness from like the mystery we were talking about last week, i think yeah
4: you just described the u s too
6: okay.
7: <laughs> yeah if i may i was I was the one uh, that oh. mentioned this. Yeah, and uh, it's been very uh, present in me because I'm half Lebanese, half French. So Lebanon has this like very spiritual um, culture. So I've been between the two, and it's been very hard for me to to live in France because of this. Mm. Thank you for mentioning
0: this. <clears throat> this I in. What you just mentioned andrea is really similar to what mark brought up and it it's the question is really which culture do you live in and the victim conversation about that is that i live in the culture that the most people around me have become a victim of the the group whatever the whatever the average culture of the group around me is then i live in that culture and it's a victim orientation because it it leaves us powerless in a way and it's a very it's a very effective survival strategy because we blend in we 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 look like everyone else we act as if we are one of them and then we don't stand out and we can't it's difficult to be attacked that way or ridiculed or uh, gaslighted or moonlighted or all the kinds of lighting things that people can do. And so it's, it's really difficult. And, to do, and so because we blend in, we're a chameleon, a cultural chameleon. So, but then it's really not satisfying, Andrea. What you're talking about is the, the, the difficulty of that or the lack of, and Mark's talking about the lack of satisfaction that comes from that and what the proposal here what we're proposing is to take radical responsibility for causing the culture that you live in no matter what culture is around you that does not mean at all about to go against to contradict to you know fight against the culture around you that's not necessary at all in we're discovering this whole possibility of what's called cavitation, cavitating new culture space. And you can cavitate this new space in a culture space that's already full. And you cavitate this whole other space and step inside of it and zip it up your back. And you're, you inside this, you've made new space without diminishing the other space. And, and then you get, you get to, it's actually, I think it's a human responsibility like one of our one of our biggest adult responsibilities is to cavitate and inhabit this like like Charles Eisenstein says the the culture that you would your heart knows is possible you know build and inhabit the culture your heart knows is possible and enjoy the hell out of it in the presence of everybody else who's doing their culture and when when there is a discrepancy between your behavior and their behavior, it's an interesting conversation. And it's an entertaining conversation because it's the kind of conversation that you pay for when you go on a on a tour into other countries. When you journey, when you when you go explore other cultures, it's entertaining and fascinating. And it's there's so much to learn from that. And and we can have that each day of our lives when we cavitate and and inhabit this, enter this space of our, of the culture that we would love to live in. And, and we don't have to correct or oppose or change, you know, manipulate. We don't have to fix anybody around us because they're living in their culture, right in front of us. And then we can interact culture to culture. So there's these two websites. One is called Culture to Culture. One is, and one is called Cavitate Space. These are wonderful, uh, invitations to bone up on some new distinctions and skills, and do those experiments there, because it's that's the ecstasy of Andrea in your case being this two-cultured person. You know, which, which by the way, if you're ever in a relate, if you're ever relating with someone who's from a different culture as you, one of the side jobs you get is to heal the rift, the pain between the two cultures. So if Echo puts you in connection with somebody who's from a different culture, you've got an extra job on your bench, which is to go heal the pains of this leftover from the cultures that are coming together in your relating. And so like, and Chloe herself, for example, is this French and New Zealand combination and I I have this American and German because I have a lot of German in my my family history, and I, we're together in this in this healing relating. And here I am in Vietnam right now. We're in Vietnam right now, and there was this whole Vietnamese war, and the French were involved in it, and the Americans were involved in it. And there's this healing going on of just walking down the street and connecting with. Vietnamese people in a completely different way. I'm feeling all kinds of liquid state pains. I'm sad. I am outraged. It's, it's in, in just beyond my imagination that people would be at war here. And this is trying to feel all this stuff. That's, it's a side job that you get. So I just wanted to mention that. You get extra work when it's a cross-cultural thing. And so, especially Andrea, when you have it inside yourself, you're doing a healing. It's a fabulous healing process. And you hold the culture space and you interact. In that. Catherine, go ahead.
7: I want to share my experiment about this cavitation. I'm doing that since you mentioned it. I guess it was two weeks ago. And I, first of all, I feel a strengthening of my space. And I discovered that my bubble I, I perceived my bubble for a long time only till till the belly button, for example. And now I realize, oh, it is whole, it is going beyond. And and what was also very um touching for me to realize I even can push this cavitation a little bit more so I got more space. Mm. And
0: be generous.
7: Yes. Yeah. And um I have the impression that like this I also can make more distance towards my daily life and at the same time I feel more of the pressure in of the daily life
0: so what I'm, what do you mean you feel more of yeah. the pressure what do you mean
7: I perceive how dense my days are how much fear I have in my system to deal with my job my different tasks also to to deal with relationships it's it, it gets clearer what is in my life right now. And it's often not very nice
0: what I see. And at Can the I moment- check with you? Let me just check with you because it sounds to me like before this few weeks, before then, you could have been more of a cultural chameleon. You could have been more adaptive yes. and not, not held this bubble. And then those things that were happening, which are the same things you're describing now, they, you did not notice them as being something you did not want or did not like. You did not notice that the, what you felt about them. The, like you said, the pressure, you did not notice that, hey, I don't like this. Or, I don't want like this, or I'm carrying this extra weight this and you did not notice it before because you did not have you weren't taking a stand for your culture or you having this space. Mm-hmm. Now that you clarify your bubble, you all of a sudden you realize hey hey this hey this doesn't work you know this is too much this is not enough this is like all those things does that make sense is that what you're saying yes it's so it's so cool because I you know I When that happens to me, I want to handle it all at once. I want to fix everything all at once. And I want to click my clicker and have everything be, it never works like that. So, um, I've been struggling for two weeks or longer with a banking issue. I just have to communicate a a routing number and an account number to an, an, an institution and I don't, I've called it, I don't know, eight, ten times I've tried different ways to do it and I'm still not done it. You know, I have, like in front of me, I have this list of all these things to do. And this is one of these cards. And I have a stack of cards this thick of lists that have stuff on it that's not done. And yet it's taken me three or four weeks to try to get one of these little items, you know, checked off of this list. And so I think that's a human condition. I mean, I think like Werner Earhart says, you know, the, the way that you know you're dead is that you don't have any more problems. If you're alive, you're going to have problems. And so, so don't expect to be able to be alive and have no problems. And then and the, the work of like what you're saying, each one of those things that's going on, whatever it is, whatever the thing is. I mean, for example, we, we move in this apartment and the first night I'm laying down and there's this sound going rrr, rrr, like all night. Long. And I'm like, oh my God, we rented a place that's by some machine shop. Some guy has, you know, here we are in Vietnam, they have this automatic machine that's like polishing some, some device that goes on the wheel of a shopping cart for, for, for Cape, Walmart or something like that. And he's selling them for 50 cents a piece. Every time he does that, he makes 50 And I have to, so, so I'm, I wake up the next morning and I climb up on the roof of the building and I've discovered this water tank. And it has this, this, this pump up there that's trying to keep pressure in our water system. So you turn the faucet on, the water comes out with high pressure. Well, there's a leak in the system. So this, this pump is going all night long, keeping high pressure. So I have to turn it off. I turn it off, that's it. And then the, it's been silent every night. But now the whole thing is if I wanna take a shower, I have to climb up on the roof again and turn it on again so we have some water in the shower. But like, this is our life. This is really how our life goes. And so Catherine, every single one of those things, you can, it's, it's an invitation to engage it fully and not just try to sweep it under the rug. And don't worry you know, if you don't get all of them done at once. You know, pick one and just do it, you know, and get, go through it. And, and it will, it will, re, it will relent. You know, when you apply your intelligence and your being and your, your creative spirit and your possibility team, and you bring yourself to apply to whatever the thing is you're talking about, it will relent. It will, it will dissolve. It will go through some Phoenix process. You will change. It will change. And then you just kind of don't, don't take your attention completely away from it, but then go for the next one. But you don't have to be a victim of these things that you're now becoming aware of. Just do them. This is our life. This is our work. This is our thing. Just do them. And you can do them. And it's delightful in, to, to face into them with your resources. I mean, you've got all these resources that are linear and nonlinear and huge resources. And just keep using them. Go ahead, Uncle. Also, what you mentioned, Catherine,
1: and it is not... Just for you, I think it's a huge field of research is you mentioned now you, you experience a lot more fear about everything now that you have your space, it's all this fear. And one of the field of discovery that I am about fear, and it, it started with people in the trainer path, is that this ability to have resilience and the way we define resilience and possibility management is having access to possibility. And so this discovery that this the unconscious fear makes us have those those snap the is snap decision, those patterns. So the, the habitual ordinary survival, and it's wired in our nervous system. And that's where our fear, you know, is is in our bodies in this nervous system. But when it's unconscious, it just we repeat the pattern over and over again, even before the awareness, we have awareness. But so when the experiments you're doing, Catherine, I think is bringing awareness to your fear, but then if you're not okay with feeling fear, then you're going to, you know, you're going to suppress it. You're going to numb it. And then your snap decision is just going to happen. And I think an experience, for example, that I would have if that was happening is that if I had access to my anger, for example, but I didn't have access to my fear, then I would have all this rage about, all these things that are not working but i wouldn't have the fear to have this resilience of other possibilities you know to so slow the the conscious fear makes things slow down and and really i think that our our, our conscious fear has the ability to create new physical pathways in our nervous system to have access to new possibility but even you know especially for people who like Clinton was saying, have this chameleon, like being so adaptive to consider that there's other possibility than being what other people want you to be is terrifying. It is totally scary. And yeah. so I, I, I think there's this really low intensity, uh, small practices of, um, you do, you do, you know, I mean, that could be one of the experiments for this week is you choose one day, one thing in your day, and you keep practicing of building, taking decisions that are, that, that you would not usually make. So where you would move your hands, for example, or how you say hello to people. And so the 20 people you say hello in that day, you say it 20 in 20 different ways. So it's not like, a, you know, you're not like Clinton said, you're not trying to Change everything. You take one practice, one little step, and you just feel the fear. You just make the fear conscious. Mm-hmm. Whether it's two percent, three percent, ten percent, thirty percent, maybe forty percent, you know, to say hello differently. And I, yeah, and for people, I know there's some fear club space holders in here. Um, I think to to bring that into the the fear clubs to build this resilience, this access to possibility, is really crucial.
0: It can help a lot to do a kind of shift of identity mm-hmm. and give yourself a little secret name. So I'm, an, I'm a fear agent or I'm a fear tiger or I'm a, um, a fear magician, like I'm a fear experimenter. And so it you gives yourself permission to get access to using your fears in a whole new way. In a, and and because you're a fear magician or a fear experimenter. And there's this uh, great website that we've just been working on called Person of Agency. And a lot of your agency comes from this new access to fear. And that fear gives you agency in domains which before were blocked off because you were afraid. It's so amazing. you know, it was blocked off because you were afraid. and now, Fear is the key that brings you into these spaces. And so, if you're using the fear consciously, then you're, you're playing around with fear as your friend or fear as this electricity, you know, and fear as this door opener or uh, ally. Ally looks behind you, you know, it gives you access to different dimensions. You know, that, that, but you have to have this kind of permission from yourself to, have, to be a little different from how you were before. And it helps to give, you, give yourself a little bit of a new identity. So that would be part of that experiment is to give yourself this new identity and then use, keep using the, the low level, especially low level fears as, as giving you more agency in, in these new domains. Thank you fun times don't you think doesn't it not that sound like fun times you didn't quite say yes but you know.
7: it, it was a question towards me
0: <laughs> well you know could have been
7: <laughs> i feel or no i perceive like standing on the edge and on one hand there is fear of going into a burnout. And on the other side is I know I have to change. I just need new possibilities. And it, it resonates with me to to build a new identity and to use my fear and my box is already.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yay. Excellent. Cause... You know, your box can sit in the back seat. In in English, there's this phrase called a backseat driver. It's the person in the back who's always saying, watch out for that car. No, turn left, go left, it's shorter. No, 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 you're going too slow. Like all this, all the people in the back seat, but you can put your box back there. Then you can push the little button that goes, (laughs) and the glass goes over, you know, know? and then it's like, whoop. In the back seat, and you can go, ah, yeah, I have some freedom of movement now. So, yes,
7: okay. that gives me excitement. <laughs> okay, yes. <yeah>.
5: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and you can use the fear of burnout to burn your box.
0: Oh. <laughs> so, Mark, that right there was an example of me relating to Catherine's potential. And I just kept trying different ways. I get to play. And she, she gets to decide if she wants to accept any of the proposals or not. And if she did not want to, she didn't want to say, yes, now I'm excited, fine. It, it still was an offer. It still was a door open, you know? And then I can, I can still use the door for myself or for other people. And then, you know, okay, so she did it. She, I figured out this thing about, you know, putting the box in the back seat and putting up this glass thing. And all of a sudden it's like, ah, some space, gosh, I didn't ever think of doing that with my box going mm-hmm. all the time, you know, just, and it, and it works, that's kind of stuff really works. And so that's that's what I'm saying. You just keep making proposals and whether she accepts it or not, it doesn't really matter. It's because it's about being in the space where the proposals are, are created ongoingly. Okay. Cool. Does anybody have anything right now? Anything else right now? Like I bet, I bet you're gonna say something. I yes, bet, bet. I'm
8: amazed again and again about how how much this answers all my questions <laughs> <laughs> coming in and yeah, getting it all like poured over me. Mm-hmm. I I was in the fear club, I was holding space for fear club before few hours ago, and I forgot <laughs> thank you I bet you have to look
0: like come on, you have to get it. it's really mm-hmm. fabulous thank you for doing that
8: <laughs> yeah, thank you for asking because i was i I forgot to put my uh my talisman, and I took this as a reason why it was not fun i I was not uh excited and there were moments that were ordinary and yeah everything that you said was better answer to that than the, the missing out the talisman <laughs> because the story that I had was yeah I have to do a good job and uh, something didn't work because it wasn't safe enough it was not exciting enough uh, whatever. I was selfish because I forgot my talisman. I just did it for myself. I wasn't really in service. I had a lot of stories about why it didn't work. And yeah, now I, I have more clarity about where the fun went off. And, <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's crazy because on Friday in the healing circle, I had this clarity I, I did not have the words for it, but I, what I got was there were, yeah, there was this coincidence of three people having kind of the same issue in the circle. And it was about this, yeah, when I'm speaking about it, this um, pain and sadness about being cut off from someone you love. And what we found was that it's like my i i myself can only cut myself off from love i don't need to have the other person's permission to to be love and to express and show my love and care for that person and yeah thank you for what you yeah said about experimenting and opening doors uh, cuz is the more practical part of it. It's very useful. Thank you. Thank you.
5: Thank you. Thank you, Albert.
0: Michaela Kaiser, what about some words from you?
2: Yes, thank you for your invitation. I want to share also that I have a healing circle the last week and I... Offer a space for others' potentials, and it's a free space where I don't know where it goes to before, where we went to. And um, it's interesting because at th- this evening I confront people with their same issues. So, beings, and also boxes and their gremlins, and to see how they deal with it or open up other spaces. And it's so um yeah brilliant and amazing how deep it went while mm-hmm. they go through, and also to see what is not working, so but it, because it's too confrontive or it's too massive and, and their boxes are freaking out, and it's um easy to see when it's um, or it's more um yes it, it's, it changes the space when I bring in okay I confront you or so it's under the, or it's not under the surface it's an open invitation and it's more um, obvious how I navigate the space and they found out everything on their own only with um, bringing some question in and being with them so it's also about synchronic- synchronicity and um, yeah, see that each space is combined with another one. And so hearing you bringing all the topics in and the issues, um, I feel glad that it's so possible to navigate through all of that so, and that I feel seen in, this, in the way you all Here and I am with you and what you say about, yeah, navigating through different spaces.
0: This thing you mentioned, synchronicity, is a manifestation of one of these infinite resources, one of these archetypal resources, synchronicity. And so what you're saying is you're a a space holder, the kind of spaces you hold allow for uh, the influence of synchronicity—it's like a, you you open a free space so that synchronicities can happen. And I, can you talk about that? Like how? What? How is that for you? Because this is the another aspect of this question mark brought up. Like how to be in a space where it looks like the other person is not at your you know not accepting your offers, and and how can you be? Can you be fed by that? can you talk about
2: that i don't know clinton if i can talk about that because it's um each each space is preparing out of itself and so it's i knew before that there will in space all have the same issue around mixing their sadness and fear together so the whole space is under this sign and so I invite the most liquid person to check in first about what is going on in her. And it's, she brought up sadness and fear mixed and the people jump in into her. I'm, asking,
0: I'm mm-hmm. asking you a little different question than that. Yes. I'm asking not about the past. Mm-hmm. I'm not about what happened or didn't happen. I'm asking you about what it's like for you Uh, to be a space holder for an archetypal force of nature called synchronicity to come and have space in your space it's a powerful force and you're yet you're holding this space what is that like how do you do that how 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 are you what is it like for you to, to be in to create a space where synchronicity can work
2: yeah it's brilliant it's really amazing it's so nourishing because to see how really each of us is um, like a field for the other, like so all principles come together and they are the solution or they are so nothing yeah. is strange in, in each person. It's we are really we are in the same boat. We are dealing with the same problems, and so to see I'm not alone in that. I'm here, it's, um, yeah, it's really wonderful.
0: Thank and you. So, yeah. I mean, cause it's so related to relating, to relationship, to human you know, partnership. It's so much that, you know, if, if, if I'm going to be in a, if I'm going to be relating with somebody, it's going to be a space where synchronicity can do its work. And then it does this, what you said, it's marvelous. It's it, it, you can, you can surf on it. It carries you, carries you. Yeah, it brings it, up.
2: Yes. And oh. it's so, um, so brilliant that the people can bring it on their self to the to the surface. So for example, they're sitting two men inside of the circle, who have the same pain with their heart. And even there's more one more woman, which don't know it before. And so so they speak from heart to heart, and they find out. Okay, I never spoke from that. Okay, it's new. It's not. I it never hurt my heart. It's only out of my mind what I said before. And when they sit in front of each other, so they reveal that. And it's so. It's so. To be an observer of that, it's like a yeah. It's a gratitude.
0: Thank you. So this is another experiment for our our next week, which is to create spaces and hold a space in which this force of synchronicity has freedom of movement. Because we have these unconscious parts of ourselves that wanna understand or control or manage what's happening in our interactions. And instead, this is the experiment is make this space a little wider you know just like Catherine said she made hers that space a little wider so that allow in this archetypal force of nature called synchronicity and let it come in and do some work because if you can if you hold your space too small and too tight synchronicity can't can't get in there it can't offer its gifts to you or to the space or to the people and yet so all you need to do is make the space just a little wider so that and call in, like allow you, can't force synchronicity. Cannot. Cannot force sync. That's what synchronicity means is you cannot force it. it. But what you can do is is make space for it to bring its gifts into your into your interactions. And when they come, you can just roll with them. It doesn't have to be part of your original idea or program to. Uh, to have that there already. When the synchronous gifts come in, you roll with it and you and you go, thank you, yes, and, and make use of the synchronicity, the gifts of the synchronicity that come into your interaction. And, and the way you do that is you just notice it. Put your, you go, ah, did you see that? Or like, notice this is happening, like Michael is saying. These three people have the same pain in their heart or, you know, this, the, I need something and you need something and we never told that to each other before i never told you i need this and you never told me you need it but here we have both have the same need and we can we can do that together it, and it allows synchronicity to bless you or to benefit you or like to like come in and, and open up like grease the, grease the hinges like allow makes things easier less and so that would be another experiment to try is really consciously hold space in your relating where synchronicities can happen and you just sit back and enjoy them. Just like, like, it's almost like uh, a butterfly flies into your window. and has these amazing colors and it comes over and flies over and lands on your nose or land, you know, you just like, it's like, how could, how's that possible? You, you forgot about butterflies in them you just forgot that you know, unexpected things can happen. You just forgot you know, your life is so controlled and has, you have so many hours in the day and you have to fit in these things that you do in your schedule. You've got your list and, and all those things. And yet, and if you allow in synchronicity, five things can happen all at once. Or somebody else comes in and says, gosh, I really wanna do those things. And they take it off your list. There's so many unexpected possibilities that can happen when synchronicity can do its work. I mean, I'm reminded of this book, Original Wisdom, by uh, uh, Robert Wolf, and he's writing about his time with the Singoi people in Malaysia, in a hill tribe in Malaysia. And he, when he was living with them, they would wake up in the morning and all bring their dreams together. And there was this. It was a space for synchronicity to happen. And he tells of this story, somebody dreams this, and they, somebody tells this scene, and somebody adds this, and they get it, that all the dream pieces fit together into this synchronicity message that says, two hills over on the side of the hill, there's a large mango tree with huge ripe mangoes waiting for you. Nobody's picking, and they all, the whole, they move the whole village over these two hills, and there's this mango tree, and they sit around for a week, couple of weeks eating mangoes together because they put their dreams together. And that's this forces of synchronicity that are available, totally available for us when we get out of this tight, you know, tightly held, controlled, you know, unconscious fear space that we often live in so it's just about making your space bigger and letting synchronicity do its work. And that would be the experiment to do in your relating, especially.
2: May I add, cool. yes, Go ahead. So, may I add um, something around that? It's about the fear. Um, it's um, I recognize that I prepare myself with um, dealing fear in a different way. So that I, so you know, the fear is running in the nervous system and There's a process around, we discovered, to bring your fear into your field, like it's um, spreading your nerves out of in your field. And so it's like, you have seen it in movies, that the person sometimes goes through walls and then you see the waving hand when it's going through the wall. And so you can spread your fear into your field. And so that will bring more synchronicity. yeah, you know that word, in your life. So it's a workout for that to to hold the space for
0: it. So you guys getting this? you actually, Michele, are you using your nerve, like you're actually spreading your nerves out yes. into the field? Yes. Okay. And then you, so it's the opposite of what most of us think we wanna do. It's like it, it increases your sensitivity towards fear in a bigger place by spreading your field out through your nerves and it's the opposite of you know, if fear is bad or fear is wrong, you know, we want to shrink our, our, our sensitivity towards fear. So our whole life is about not feeling the fear and pulling back. And, and, and Michael is saying, do this with your fear, like let your nerves go out into different spaces with your fear, and you will feel more fear. And that makes more possibility, more synchronicity options come in. Wow, thank you.
2: You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yay for researchers! <laughs> That's from the feelings practitioners' work. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. There's Yay! Around, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Wow. All right. We're not getting very far in the book so far today. Isabel, you have your hand up, or are you just are you just thinking out loud? Isabel, did you have your hand up?
3: No.
0: Did you want it to be up? I mean, accidentally, synchron- synchronously, your hand is up? <laughs> I mean, your hand was up, right? Your hand is kind of like this, right? Okay. Maybe, Maybe, what would you say if you had your hand up?
7: I feel fear to
2: say something because I'm in this liquid state since the heal-from-school lab and I, like, I'm observing my box and all what, like all my boxes (laughs) and my gremlin and I'm doing a child ego state decontamination and it's like, so I'm, I'm, and I, but, but, I'm really happy to stay here with you to hear your voices to connect because I'm yeah I'm with the other people as well and I yeah I love to 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 hear you and to 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 have this intimate made room here with you.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Thank you for letting your hands speak
1: actually i think it was the person who lives with her so it's perfect (laughs) who came came in the background and looked like her hand
0: oh really yes (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) well maybe i should read a little bit from the book because the section is six Y called feed your heart and feed your soul and it's really what we've been talking about So I'm going to start there, we'll read for a little bit. It says, the practical understanding of the difference between feeding your heart and feeding your soul is not distinguished by modern culture. So you live your life without having that clarity to work with, because it's not distinguished in the culture. Gaining this knowledge can make a tremendous difference in your ongoing ability to navigate into extraordinary human relating. I first learned of the difference between heart and soul from the words of a song written by Lee Lozowicz and sung by Lee Lozowicz and the words go like this. A man gives his heart to the woman who he loves, but a man gives his soul to his destiny. If you try to make him choose, you just might end up with a man who's not a man. Can't you see? This is true, of course, for anybody who have a heart and a soul. But the thing is, if you don't distinguish, if if you try to make the person you're with, you know, either your heart or your soul, either you work at home. You work, you know, do your, your lone wolf, single fight or work life, or you're all the way only here with me and feed your heart all the time, or go feed your soul all the time. You know, that's your, you try to make a person you partner choose, then they, don't, then they don't get fed. And their heart doesn't get fed or their soul doesn't get fed, or your heart doesn't get fed or your soul doesn't get fed. I'm not sure if it's going to say it. I just moved to say it right now that it is not a 50-50 kind of deal. It isn't like you get, well, let's split my life. So 50% of my time is feeding my heart and 50% is feeding my soul. It's actually your heart needs to be fed 100% and your soul needs to be fed 100%. So who do you need to be so that your heart gets 100% food and your soul gets 100%. Like that's how you can work this out. It's is, is not this or that, it is this and that. It isn't a compromise, it is, it's not what this is about, it's not an average, you know, it's not a balance, 50-50 life work balance, it's not about that. It's like, who would you need to be to fill your heart 100% and your soul 100%. And that's totally possible. This is what, this is what possibility management is about at its core. That's what it's about. So I'm gonna keep reading here. It goes without saying that this clarification of, of this heart, heart to love and soul to destiny applies in reverse, that is it applies a man trying to force his wife to choose either between nurturing her heart or nurturing her soul, instead of encouraging her to nurture both distinctly and completely in her life. Since it needed saying here in the book, then perhaps it does not go without saying. That's a, that's a joke. So it, I needed to say it because it applies to all of us. The closest you come to considering ways to care for your heart and soul, is through this modern consideration about establishing some kind of work-life balance, which is only a weak approximation of what the lyrics in the song are talking about. Your heart and soul are centered in different bodies. So your heart is in your emotional body and your, your soul is in your being, it's like your being. And therefore, they both they have need of different, completely different kinds of foods, different kinds of stimulus, different kinds of possibilities, as was briefly considered in the discussion about the map of five bodies in the previous section of the book. So each body needs its own kind of food. Without caring for your heart differently from the way you care for your soul or your being, you may be mixing foods. Which is, it's a disrespectful thing. It's just a mashing stuff together and, and forcing it down yourself. And it's like, I don't know. I think of astronauts, you know, i opening some goop, you know, and they just, it has everything that you need. Or that's the, from the Matrix movie, you know, the goop that they're same old goop every day that they're eating in their ship. It's like this goopy stuff that comes out and, they, and it says, everything, everything your body needs. And then the little guy says, not everything. Because he's the guy who he invented the lady in the red dress. <laughs> he goes off. So it's like, you also need the lady in the red dress. Can so I, anyway, that's what we're... Can sorry. I give an
1: example about mixing yeah. food? Recently, I was talking with a possibilitator and discovered that he was feeding his heart in his work, in his, in the domain of destiny, so he was. He's collaborating with people. He's um, delivering trainings and spaces with other people, and in these spaces, he would only be feeding his heart about the collaboration with these other people, completing completely, forgetting to let his soul be fed by being a spaceholder, and and mm-hmm. being a space for which. Um, the bright principles and archetypal lineage could do the, their work and in, in that way feeding is a soul and he really was as this confusion about i'm only doing this work because of my connection with these people and he was completely forgetting his connection with um his being for example so that's one of the ways to mix mix the foods
0: thank you so seems as so while we're in this little pause here, I just want to say this is another experiment for us to do this week is to get out your beef book and just make a list of what are the ways you're feeding your heart and what are the ways you're feeding your soul and really go for that list, because it's easy to bypass or skip over the, the horror of the situation and not, and not realize the stark the stark nature that you're facing into of God, I am starving my soul or I am starving my heart. Cause this is, it's a stark thing. It's a, it's a hard, it's hard to realize that we, you know, human beings are so kind of resilient. You know, you can see these people in Calcutta, you know, walking the streets, you know, they burn, they collect up old used circuit boards and burn them into ash, which is one of the most toxic substances. This plastic's full of biphenyls and, and, and dioxins, you know, and they're breathing the smoke while they're burning these circuit boards just to get the leftover melted plated gold that's on the contacts, to get that gold so they can sell the ash scraps that has gold in it to somebody for 50 cents. And they spend all day you know, breathing toxic fumes and getting this just so they have enough money to buy some rice or chapatis. You know? And then they go on like this for 30, 40 years and die. But it's like, I, it's, you can even hardly imagine that a human being could last 30, 40 years in the toxic, in you know, a starving environment. And yet, so we're so resilient. We're such so survivor types, you know? we're tough in those ways. We don't know in what ways we're actually starving ourselves. And, it's, and, it's, and I'm asking you to, this experiment is to look at that. In what ways are you starving your soul? and In what ways are you starving your heart? And, the, and also make a list of the ways that you are feeding your soul and you are feeding your heart. But then it will become clear of there's so many, 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 many more ways that you could be feeding your soul and feeding your heart. In your daily life, you wouldn't make much. It's not so much of a big change to do that, but it's the awareness that you have these parts and they need completely different kinds of food, and you know, there's these ways of feeding your soul, that it, like maybe listening to music a certain way, or maybe going in through these cultural museums. The, the village has a cultural museum, or maybe it's to go into a cave an old cave that's um in the hill around your village that you know everybody knows the cave is there or but you've just not been in it you haven't seen the stalactites and the stalagmites and you haven't smelled the mineral water and been in the darkness and hear heard the sounds of the dripping water this stuff just feeds your soul and you're you know you're too busy surviving to feed your soul you know to make but that what you get when you have a fed soul and a fed heart shows up in your world you have more capacity more more creation force more more ability to source things than than you do when you're in the survival mode you know the scarcity survival mode i'm barely at least i you know, at least i i slept for 15 more minutes after my alarm clock you know at least i put on a clean shirt. I don't know, at least I called my mother, something like that. You know, and, and it's like, we do this at least thing instead of really abundantly nurturing our heart and our soul, who could you be with a well-fed heart and soul? So that would be the other part of the experiment is write out that answer to that question. Who, who could I be with a well-fed heart and soul? Who, who could I be? really just write for a couple of pages and let something write besides your mind, you know, let your heart write and let your soul write. You can do that. It's an interesting experiment, but you let your your soul write with your right hand and let your heart write with your left hand. And you have two pages in your beat book and you're writing at the same time. Or you let your heart write over here a few words and then your soul, or if you get good, you can do it both at the same time. You need two pens, you know. At the same time, so you have to be generous with your pens, also. But you could just and, and try that. Let your heart and soul write with different hands at the same time in your beat book. Yeah, and who could who could you be? So by the thing, I'm back in the book now. Um, we may be mixing foods or starving parts of ourselves while overfeeding another, overfeeding another part of ourselves with something it does not need. That's what I mean about this resilience is we don't even know, like in Chloe said, when we're feeding our heart soul food or our soul, trying to feed our soul heart food. Can't even tell, we just shove it in there and, and try to survive on it. By distinguishing between heart and soul and by intentionally nourishing both your heart and your soul, each with its appropriate kinds of nutrition, it becomes immediately clear how important this is for building and maintaining extraordinary human relationship. So there's whole kinds of intimacy with your partner, with people of feeding your heart, heart food and feeding your soul, soul food. I remember this time a few times ago when Aunt Chloe and I were in Paris and we she takes me into this museum where she's been many times and I've never been there before. And and she walks into this space, it's basically empty. And one whole wall is filled up with this painting, this kind of blurry. And it, you see you see um, lilies and lily pads and, and it's a pond. And you see some weeping willows coming into this pond. Do you guys know which artist that is already? Just this is few flowers, Vincent weeping Zardo. willows. No, not Van Gogh. Do you guys know who this is? It's, it's kind of, Monet. there's a bridge, huh? Monet. It's Monet, right, and Chloe? Yes. Yeah. So here we are in this space. She's drinking this in, really. She's, I'm standing there. I'm looking at her, not the painting. I'm standing there getting a lesson in how to feed my soul on this. Space is created by this Monet, this whole wall. And he's, she's just standing there and she, she doesn't move for 10 minutes. And I'm like, well, where's the next painting? Or, you know, what, what else did he paint? Or like, where is this garden in? Like bullshit, complete mental bullshit. I'm in that space. I'm just, my mouth is open, I'm looking at her. So I'm in this feeding my heart for 10 minutes while she's feeding her soul for 10 minutes on painting. I'm getting a lesson in how to feed my soul. And so there's, uh, it's so important for the kinds of intimacies that can arise through just this work, these experiments, feeding your heart and feeding your soul different ways, is a regular, these these are whole domains for intimacy that most of us have not gotten to explore so much. Or if you think back, you think back in, in a world in your world of, of some times of amazing intimacy, maybe it had something to do with this. Maybe you were feeding your soul together on a similar stuff, or maybe you were feeding your heart together in a same way. And this makes this intimacy of heart and soul feeding intimacy. So that's an that's also an experiment to do. And that I don't know if you you can just find somebody, just call somebody in this in this circle or any of the circles that you're in, you just call somebody in the online, you know, there's 450 some people in the emotional healing process or possibility village, uh, telegram groups. You just call somebody up and say, look, I am I wanna go feed my soul. And uh, you wanna do, you wanna feed our souls together? You know, or, I wanna feed. So make those invitations, like open the door for somebody to, and it doesn't have to make sense, it doesn't have to be logical, and it doesn't have to be totally organized and pre-planned. You can just enter enter a, a, a part of the mountain, or part of the park, or part of the city, or part of anywhere, and your purpose is to feed your soul. And so you may end up in the African part of the city where the, the ladies are all dressed up with their African outfits and they have these bags full of yellow things and you just sit down next to the lady and go, what is this? And she goes, these are worms. These are grubs. These, these grow in the ground and you can eat these. Would you like me to fry some up? for And you go, just no, no, not really, not just now, but just tell me my world you know, I'm feeding your soul is expanding because you just didn't even imagine that these delicacies, these worms are such delicacies in your whole wor- And you can have intimacy together with somebody else going through this experiment of having the African lady introduce you to eating yellow fried worms, etc. cetera. There's, and you just go through the town. Like, as, as that's your purpose. You have a different, it's a meta purpose. You're not shopping on your shopping list. You're not accomplishing your errands you know you're you are in this in the you're going on this journey to feed your heart and feed your soul different things with someone else and you say here this this would feed my heart to go talk to this lady and tell her how beautiful she is and and she's wearing this local costume or she's holding a shop she built this shop up and it has so much energy in it you just go in and appreciate you know, and that feeds your heart. So, so I, this is another experiment, is feeding your heart and feeding your soul on a journey together for that purpose. For a couple of hours, not just for a half hour. So I'm back in the book again. For example, some women try to lasso, which is a cowboy term, it's like to throw a rope out and capture somebody with a rope, like the cowboys used to catch cows. So lasso their man's destiny-driven soul food seeking attention. The woman tries to lasso that attention from that man and focus it onto themselves and the children and the family and the house and the dog and so on. Because the woman is not creating food for her own soul. So she consciously or unconsciously feels it is not fair that she quote unquote stays at home with the kids while the man goes out to quote unquote play where he gets to food for his soul so she may force the man into an either or decision either me or your job either me or your ark, either me or whatever it is you are doing out there she does not realize that her man needs both her heart food and his destiny food, just like she needs her heart food and her destiny food. And if she tries to make her man choose, this is the lyrics from the song, she might end up with a man with no balls, a man who's not challenging himself to go beyond his own limits, a man with no adventure stories to tell around the fire. This would be a man who is not a man, as the lyrics explain. Garth, a highly creative and self-motivated man, I guess I'm telling a story here, had arranged for his work to be in alignment with his destiny. As a result, his work life was rich, overflowing with soul food, and his soul was well-nourished. He had always been active with explorative adventures, and ever since childhood, his abundance of soul food had also flowed into his heart without his awareness. So his heart was filled to overflowing with the wrong kind of food. It was filled with soul food, not with heart food. Since his heart was already full, it was neither interested nor able to receive proper heart food anymore, such as the direct heart-to-heart extraordinary human love from his partner. The heart slash soul food imbalance causes diseases equivalent to imbalances in ordinary food. For example, you cannot only live on protein. I don't know if it's in you. yes it is. Your body also needs carbohydrates. It is rumored that there was this widow, this woman whose husband had died she had enough money when her husband died that every day she could eat what she actually her her whatever she wanted to eat, fried chicken. She wanted to eat fried chicken, and so after a few years, she died of starvation. She had all this money, and she was eating what she wanted to eat, which was fried chicken, and she died of starvation. And because chicken doesn't have everything that you need. So anyway, this is a true story. I don't think I read it, I think I heard about it. Fortunately for Garth, this guy we're talking about, when he understood what he was doing, it was not too late for him. He immediately made changes in his inner navigating. Garth had to learn how to flow the soul food from his destiny into his soul and not into his heart. It's an inner navigating thing. And then to hold open the channel for receiving heart food from his partner, his intimate partner, into his heart and his children and simple things like that that are heart food. Many things in Garth's life changed for the better soon after that with his children, with work associates and with his partner. So another man, let's call him Sid, followed the normal cultural program and never took strong steps to align his work with his destiny. His work put food on the table and paid the bills, but it did not feed his soul. Sid, this guy, graduated from college and accepted a small, safe position in a large company doing technical work on various projects. And then after years of dedicated work, he was unceremoniously laid off. So they fired him from his job. His soul would have been starving, except that he had a strong heart connection to his partner, his wife, and to his adopted children. So after being fired, Sid spent more than a year looking for work, hanging around with his wife and kids at the house, driving himself and them totally crazy by trying to feed his soul with hard food from them. You cannot survive on just carbohydrates either. You also need protein. So as Sid's pay ran out from the company where he was fired, he finally took courage and followed his destiny, getting certified and starting his own business, leading workshops and coaching other families who wanted to adopt children like he had. His new work generated food for his soul and the resulting balance where he got food for his soul and he still had food from his family for his heart provided sanity in his role as a husband and father. So these are true stories. I just changed the name to protect the innocent, but, or the guilty. I wanna finish this section, it's another couple of paragraphs. Many modern women avoid starting a family and they keep relationship to a sterile minimum so as to follow a momentous career path that may or may, may not be in alignment with their destiny. I'm not sure it says it, but it, it's really a patriarchal thing. You know, in the patriarchy, it looks like success and power and fame and all the benefits of patriarchy happen, and so and so a woman would follow this patriarchal path and feed her soul on all this on this patriarchal structure, in a company, in the job, and like that. These women may suffer from starving hearts and starving souls because most corporate work does not provide food for feeding feminine souls. You get that? Most corporate, patriarchal corporate work does not provide food suitable for feeding feminine souls. The implication here is that masculine souls and feminine souls are different, now, who ever heard of that? So, but we haven't talked about it much, but there's, there's a huge difference between this feminine and masculine souls thing that's being relatively smeared over by the non-binary movement, you know, this whole non-binary movement, this religion of the non-binary is creeping in around different places. And back in the book, other women avoid applying their education you know, all their soul food preparations uh, and sacrifice a potential career in order to build families and nurture children. They may have plenty of heart food at home, but try to get their soul food vicariously from meddling in their husband's work. And he in turn, maybe trying to feed his heart vicariously from enmeshing himself with her relationship to the children. These things may be happening to you and will definitely trap you in ordinary human relationship. Taking care to feed your heart and your soul separately and abundantly, with their appropriate kinds of experiential and energetic foods will go a long way toward establishing a foundation upon which you can experiment in extraordinary and extraordinary and archetypal human relationships. So you're building a foundation It's the end of the section, page 209. Anybody have any stories, questions, comments about that kind of stuff?
8: I have a comment. Um, I feel joy because immediately through your reading, I
5: start um, having images of me, um, fit in my
8: heart, but not my soul, and also I start like thinking of my big film, um, uh, role when i oh, nobody loves me and feeling like sad because I'm in lack of love. And understanding that I could feed myself with many different ways of love and also like just balancing and pay attention of feeding my soul too. And I'm so happy for that. (laughs) That's what I wanna comment.
0: Thank you. I mean, one of the great values of the study group and reading the book together, for example, one of the values of that is hearing things we just did not think about before. And so it's, it's not that we're incompetent. It's not that we're bad or wrong or stupid it's, it's, it's just simply, gosh, I never thought about that before. And then once we think about it, it makes sense. You can, you can start, you use the distinction and inner navigate like what you were doing, Irina, you just started to inner navigate and go, whoa, I have not been feeding my heart or I've not been feeding my soul, you know, like consciously, on purpose, generously. I have not been doing, I never thought of it before. And then that opens this door to try new experiments. And then your life just gets different. It be, you become well fed. You know the difference between a well nurtured person and a badly nurtured person is huge. The energy, you know, the, how much energy you have, how much attention you have, how much capacity you have—like it's hugely different. And so, and if you just never thought about it before, it's not too late. It's not too late for almost everything that we're talking about. It is not too late. And so just jump on it, just jump on it, try it, incorporate it, and it's fantastic. It's just, you just never thought of it before. And I think that's why for me, I uh, wrote a lot of things down because I was I had the good fortune of being with different teachers or reading different experiences or different people. And I heard so many things I never thought of before. And they started to click together in a way that I never thought of before, and I just would write them down. So I think I hope you're doing the same thing. I hope I hope you're making a kind of commitment or whatever you're, you're you're respecting what you never heard of before, and you go, gosh, this is this is amazing stuff." And you collect it in, and package it up in the way you would. And you, and you do it in articles. I know a number of you writing articles or websites or trainings or workshops or talks, or a book writing your book or making videos. Doing in Like those kinds of things that you're doing is interesting for forces that are bigger than you. And it makes you interesting to echo the earth coincidence control Office. It makes you interesting to serendipity or coincidence or uh is that word we were using before synchronicities yeah it makes you interesting to these archetypal forces because you are collecting what they're offering and repackaging it you know making it available to more people and what's what will that resource do to you it will give you more stuff you know if you are respecting it collecting it packaging it and giving it away to other people that resource is going to just give you more stuff more more amazing stuff well that's that's kind of a cool flow to be in, and the universe is designed like that that's my experience is the more I commit to and package up and give away the stuff that I get, the more stuff I get and there's so much stuff it's it's incredible to be tapped into the source of the source and it, and it's just like just like like. You know, I don't know, you know, if you go on TV or something, you know, and and you go, God, I watched that series already. Ah, I watched all the good films, you know, it, it isn't like that with these archetypal sources. This, the next thing that they have is not a rerun. The next thing they have, you never thought of before. And then, so when you're in the flow of the resource, the source dumping the next thing with you, it's... There's no you can't even begin to imagine what the next thing is going to be. How many people know what I'm talking about from their own from their own work? Yeah, isn't that cool? Isn't that amazing? Like this is what I love about these spaces. We've been together long enough that we get to this place where the forces at work in the universe start can work. We become trustworthy to the or responsible trustworthy, able to respond to the sources that are working through us. And then, and then we know, like, we have this shared experience of how the universe is so abundantly rich with and generous with these resources, and we get to sit around. It's like at the end of the of the Lord of the Rings movie, like the last scenes, you know, where the, these hobbits are sitting around this wooden table in this bar back in their village, and they're just just looking at each other. they not. Even, they don't even have to say anything. They sit around. Knowing what they've been through, you know, these forces that they've been working with in their lives. And the other people, you know, they have no idea what's happening at this table. But these guys know. These guys know how this world is amazing. This incredible stuff is happening, this huge dark sides and light sides and coincidences and synchronicities and forces at work. And and you get to be part of that. And uh, it changes. You know, it takes you out of the conversation. Do I have enough money to live? It takes you out of that conversation. It doesn't give a shit how much money you have when you're jacked into an immense resources that you can give away to anybody, anywhere, at any time, and then they will be so benefited from what you give them, they, they can't help but give you, feed you, or take care of you, or put, you know, give you money or whatever you need, transportation. Whatever you need, they, they will give it to you because what you're giving them is worth far more than that. They can't even begin to pay for what you're, you're giving them. So the whole conversation of, do I have enough money for the month becomes irrelevant. It's a, it's a ridiculous conversation, it's a joke. And then there's people who come into your office or whatever, they sit down across from you and go, I just don't have enough money. you know, And you just start shaking your head and start dumping resources on them you know, for free, more than they know what to do with. And pretty soon, they'll be able to do that for somebody else. That's, that's the cool thing about this, is once somebody gets what you gave them, they can give it to somebody else. So we're building up this uh, a way to receive the immensity of these resources. I don't think that there's been human cultures on Earth before designed about, around non-material value. That's what we're talking about—is the non-material value. I mean, even if you went to ancient Greece and you walk down the whatever that road is called, where the where the temples are, in the if you go to the the uh, who's the Oracle of Delphi, you know, so you go to the Oracle of Delphi, and here's one person up on this hill, able to give you non-material value but everybody else in the whole town down below is groveling around in the material world but imagine imagine i mean we're what we're doing is building a culture centered on non-material value this abundantly rich resources available to anyone who takes these steps towards being initiated into adulthood and can hold space And can endure the intensity and the unbelievable intensity of the of the refined being, being with, being present, being connected, relating. And imagine like so that's the culture. I don't think those cultures have existed on earth before. I don't think human beings have done that before. So I really think archaearchy, next culture, has with the with the non-material value at its center, I really it's my impression that it's whole new territory for human beings on Earth. And I think Gaia is celebrating every time we do this, every time we come together in the name of non-material value and share it and actually make more of it. We call the non-material value into our spaces and there's more and more of it. I think Gaia just celebrates that because our, the, the possibility of putting a consciousness like self-awareness into an organic form like that's that's the outcome of Gaia's experiments for four and a half billion years on the planet earth and so here we are moving into the non-material value appreciating what consciousness can appreciate you know what your awareness can appreciate and really enjoying it and sensing it and giving it to each other and sharing it and feeding each other's hearts and feeding each other's souls and being intimate in these domains and the extraordinary and archetypal domains i really think i get, it feels to me like gaia celebrates when that happens so i hope i hope that you keep doing the experiments and keep sharing that with the others in your life and uh and to the point where the question do i have enough money for this month becomes moot it becomes irrelevant it becomes like uh this old skin on a lizard that just falls off after the lizard doesn't need the skin anymore. It was just part of it. you know one of the steps along your evolution. I can tell that I'm aiming to wrap up this space because I can see the little clock ticking by. Eva?
6: I just remembered that I was listening to this work talk you and Chloe gave about non-material value, and there was this section where everybody was scanning another person in the space and saying out loud the non-material value of this person and when i was listening to this call i was just doing other stuff and listening like more, more or less attentive but doing other stuff and when that started it was like the whole space shifted and i was suddenly hearing music and i was i had tears in my eyes because it was it was so so incredibly beautiful magic like this Gaia appreciating herself through <laughs> like our eyes and it, it's, it's so great and I'm, I'm wanting to create a song with that with these two or three minutes I, I don't know how, how that goes yet but I want to do it because it was just incredibly like so much beauty.
0: Mm. Do it, do it. <laughs> yeah. And I hope you in your groups, you know, in your possibility teams and your groups and stuff to, to actually do that because people just don't think of it like we mentioned before. I just never thought I had non-material value. I never thought that was valuable. I never thought you noticed it. I never thought that it provided something for other people around me. And you know, and to really show that, you know, indicate that for people, mirror that back to them often. Please do that often with people, because so, it's so—it's such a shocker. It's really a wake-up call to notice that about to, to think that the thing that you thought was just your neurosis act, or, or some weird, bizarre uh, hobby, or some something you just dream about, whatever—that that thing, that part of yourself, feeds people in a way that they don't get from somebody else, and 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 just you just never thought of it before. So uh, please do that with each other. Please do that. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. We had, you know, this wasn't the end of the meeting. We just break out into this appreciation of our qualities of non-material value. We all start crying and be happy. And But no, we have to end the meeting, and you have to go start experimenting. That's what we're going to do. So. Thank you all for being here, for being in this space. Thanks a lot for contributing to make it happen. Thank you. Thank you. you, Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank you, everyone. See you next week. Maybe have a great time. Yes. Thank you. you
4: Thank you.